Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Battle between police and demonstrators in Cape Town, South Africa, 34 killed. The UN Security Council calls for South Africa to free Nelson Mandela. And the first transmission of CNN happens in June of 1980. You're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. And John brings us his classic soundtrack. All right. I'm, I'm quickly turning into the soundtrack guy. But I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. This is such an amazing movie. And if you've ever seen it, rush out and see it immediately. This is The Blues Brothers. All right. The voice you hear is the voice of one of the most famous African-American singers in the United States. Let me tell you this stat. This is Cab Calloway. Hold on. Oh, you love to hear it. Yeah. Callaway was the first African-American musician to sell a million records from a single and to have a nationally syndicated radio show. Oh, really? Yeah, you're hearing one of the one of the first African-American voices in the United States that that was in music. That was he was he was friends with Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy played in his band. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it, he, they played in a in a place called the Cotton Club in Harlem. And and everybody who was anybody in music in in the jazz and scat world mm-hmm. knew that Cab Calloway was the father of their music. This Cab Calloway, if, if you haven't heard his stuff, go out there, download it, YouTube it. It's just it's very interesting to see. This is Minnie the Moocher. Now, Minnie the Moocher was, it, it is still... One of the most famous jazz songs you can listen to. Um, it's got such a it's got such a beautiful mix of the uh, scat and jazz sound. This is what it's famous for. The call, the call and callback. Yeah. I love this part. Mini Vucher was first recorded in 1931 by Cab Calloway. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What year was that? 1931 wow. was the first time this song was recorded. Now, obviously, he re-recorded it uh, for the movie, The Blues Brothers. He performed it in the Rhythm and Blues Review in 1955. This song has been on TV off and on since the freaking 30s. Wow. On the radio and TV and movies. It's almost 100 years old. Yeah. It's amazing, too, that that the Blues Brothers got Cab Calloway himself. He played in Curtis this. the Preacher in the dang movie. <laughs> well, and this is the thing. If you haven't seen it, there the number of great musicians that are in there 
You know, we're, we're gonna get into that in just a second. Literally, this next song. I won't steal your thunder there. No, you're good. You're stealing all you want. All right, the next song we got coming up was made famous by an artist you guys might have heard of. This ain't him singing it. <laughs> this is, in fact, James Belushi singing it, who was a star of the movie. And Dan Aykroyd is standing beside him with his sunglasses on, uh, rocking out. They got the band behind him just playing some jazz, playing some playing some uh, rhythm and blues. And if I remember correctly, the whole idea of this is just that... Uh, that, that Aykroyd and Belushi just loved the blues music and, and, and hated they were, disco. And they were trying to bring it bring yes. bring it around. That was it was there was a vehicle to reintroduce a lot of these exactly. the, these R and B songs. Well so so the premise of the movie is is that James Belushi's character gets out of jail at the beginning of the movie. And his brother picks him up and they go back to the orphanage where they've grown up, and the orphanage is being sold out from underneath the the proprietor of, of the of the uh, orphanage, which which happens a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially movies. And uh, <laughs> they are on a mission from God to save this orphanage, and the only skills they have to raise money is blues music. So they go around trying to get their band back together to put on a concert to raise enough money to pay off the, the debt that this orphanage has accrued. And in the, in the meantime, they make a lot of enemies and a lot of friends, and it's amazing. Oh, the enemy. I mean, when they're in that restaurant scene and they're sitting down and trying to get the waiter to join the band, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he goes over and Jim Belushi goes, how much for your daughter? <laughs> well, they, they end up they end up playing they end up they end up like leading the police on this chase. They end up making enemies of like these uh, country rock music or country music guys. Um, the Hitler, the, the Nazis. Na- the Nazis are after them. I mean, at the, by the end of the movie, like literally, they have like like a hundred guns pointed at them. Oh, Carrie Fisher about killed them. Carrie Fisher's in the movie. Yes. All right, so in the in this scene, this is the last scene of the movie. Yep. They're closing out. The credits are coming on. You hear, you hear James Brown right now singing. Yeah, he was the preacher, wasn't he? In one of the well, he, was, he was he a was preacher. a preacher. He was a, yeah. yeah, he was a preacher. You hear Aretha Franklin sing this song. You hear, um, oh, who else is singing it? There's a couple of oh, um, um, Ray Charles sings it. So oh, they fantastic. all like they all hand off to each other singing this song. It's just amazing, and they're they're all in the movie. Horn section. I was amazed that um, that those two comedians, as funny as they are, could sing as well as they yes, could. That's so, true. Yeah, quite talented. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. The music soundtrack, com- comedy. This is one of those movies you have to have to watch. Yes. And I mean the soundtrack is just just a like for the time for the blues and for the jazz and the scat music. I know it's a rock podcast, but this is just too classic oh, to no. not cover. Yes, it is. It's All right, great. This is one of the greatest voices that has ever walked planet Earth. Yeah, we need to do a podcast on her on Aretha our own. Franklin. Listen to her. Yeah, I like the scene of this because her I guess boyfriend whatever waiter he's their, he's their uh, bassist I believe yeah yeah and he goes and she goes you better think about what you're doing 
And at the end, he takes off his, his apron and hands it to her. <laughs> I, the best part of that scene is that she's like basically riding, you know, telling him, you, you know, you're going to throw away your life. And then they're doing this dance scene with her and her friends. And then then both the Blues Brothers stand up and start dancing and getting the moves going too. So they're just like moving along with them like they agree with her. Well, besides the movie, you can go to Universal. They have a show. I think it's usually like three or four times a day, a Blues Brothers show. And it really? is fun. Yeah, they just do it on like a little street scene, sort of like the Chicago street scene. And it is fun. It's all get out. You know, they got two guys dressed up. Them and, you know, I don't know if they're singing the songs or if they're lip syncing. But it is fun because you get all these songs. And it's all upbeat. It's having fun. And you're out there just going, yeah. Of course, in the hot Florida humid sun, <laughs> yeah, right. they got to be sweating their butts off. Well, and, and for avid What the Riff listeners, we've done this song in its original form in a previous uh, podcast. But this is a remake that features the Blues Brothers. It's from the movie. Exactly. This is a re-recording. As I recall, they had a, they had to do a lot of takes with Aretha Franklin because she was not used to the whole lip syncing. She she absolutely hated it. She voiced her, I, I just let me sing the damn song live. Uh-huh. And they were like, we can't because there's so much production problems doing it. You have to lip sync it. So, I mean, they shot this thing for days and days and days till they finally got the right footage. Yeah, this came out. She wrote this. She Aretha wrote this song. Came out originally in her 1968 album. Now, listen to that voice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Speaking of records, I do know there was one record in this movie that I don't think has ever been broken. It's the number of cars destroyed in a movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They trashed entire. Fields of cars. It was like almost like 200 cars. Just now got, we're um, not comparing it to the TV series The Dukes of Hazard, of course. But this was a movie, and I mean, when they went through the mall, because <laughs> we all had those one-story malls back in the day, and when they started driving through there, I'm just going, "Oh, Pier One Imports, yeah, you know," because they run into the. It was a car dealership. He goes, "Oh, the news Oldsmobile are out early." <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's such a great... There's so many one-liners in there. What a fun song. How do you just pick four songs off this album? It Man. was tough. I'll tell you that. It was real tough. I wanted to include, like, uh, a couple others, but I had to include this song. Yes. Because not only is this just a great rock song normally, like the original version of it, um... This is this is originally made by the Spencer Davis group. Give me some lovin'. Stevie Winwood sang it too. Stevie right. Winwood sang this as well. Made it famous. Uh, maybe rocked it up a little bit more yep. than, than the Spencer Davis group did. This so this scene takes place when they go into a country bar and they're they're like dead broke and they're trying and they 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 snake a gig and they tell the people, yeah, yeah, we're the good old boys. <laughs> they are obviously not the good old boys, but these guys are dumb. They don't catch on to it. And they open up with this song and get booed off the stage. Oh, they get bottles thrown at them. There's oh. chicken wire in front yeah, of the stage. Yeah, this is the right. stage with the, with, the, yeah, with the wire over the front. <laughs> the chicken wire in the front. 
and all these drinks are being busted and everything they, else. They, they, they get splattered by beer. They pull the uh, power on them, and the and the, the drummer and the bassist go, uh, "Hey, the power went out. You think they blew a fuse?" And Dan Acro goes, "I don't think they blew a fuse, man. I think that they cut us." <laughs> <laughs> wow, man! I thought we were jamming. John, when you said you were going to do this, I, I, I went down a rabbit hole of outtakes that did not make it. And one I'd suggest going out and seeing is, is uh, a street scene, a blues street scene, with John Lee Hooker playing and the Blues Brothers kind of walking around. And it was boom, boom, boom. And that was a great scene. I'm just going, this was cut, but back then you didn't do two-and-a-half, three-hour movies. And this four-minute song was cut from, an, I think it was probably an hour and 40-minute movie. Wow. This is a nice blend of that soul sound and and a, a heavier rock sound, isn't it? Yeah, it, and, and truthfully, this song has been redone quite a few times. Oh, sure. Um, and it's been in a few different movies, TV shows and stuff, but in, in its different formats. Um I don't know if you'd say the Spencer Davis Group or Steve Winwood actually owns this song because obviously Spencer Davis Group crafted the song, so they get credit for that. But Steve Winwood kind of made this song his own. Well, Steve Winwood was uh, in the Spencer Davis Group. Yeah, but I'm saying when he re-recorded it, the changes made. That's the version that you you think yeah. about, is when it? you hear on the radio. That's usually the version you hear. Yeah, right. Well, John, I got a full tank of gas. <laughs> oh, man, here we go. Got sunglasses on. Let's hit it. Let's do it, baby. All right. Well, thank you for bringing that album, Lynch. That was really cool. I'm going to go watch the movie now. Let's let's get into our entertainment track from June of 1980. Okay. We're actually going country because, believe it or not, after disco, there's crossovers majorly of country music and there was a movie out called urban cowboy ah that was now a big i movie. see that was a big movie at the time. who was who was the star of urban john cowboy? travolta and deborah winger john travolta he was in another movie was he in a movie had... called saturday night fever <laughs> no i think it was greece <laughs> he was in that one too yeah, yeah, yeah you could he could not do any wrong oh everything, yeah but yeah um I actually, so, uh, I actually like this song, even though it's country, and I'm less inclined to country. All right, The Mountain Men was a Charlton Heston western. Uh, there was a science fiction fantasy comedy movie called Galaxina. <laughs> starred Playboy playmate Dorothy Stratton. But she was murdered just shortly after the film's release. Man, I was going to make a joke, but you, you stomped on that. Way to bring it down, Wayne. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Herbie Goes Bananas was the fourth installment of the Herbie films. Comedian Richard Pryor suffers burns from fury-basing cocaine, if you guys remember that. Bronco Billy is a Western comedy that starred Clint Eastwood and Sandra Locke. This was sort of one of those, he, it wasn't one of those make-my-day Clint Eastwoods. Yeah, I think that was Bronco Billy was more of a, a comedy, wasn't it? Kind of in the every yeah. which way but loose line. The Island is an action adventure film starring Michael Caine. 
Wait, was there ever a Clint Eastwood movie that wasn't a make my day kind of Clint Eastwood yes, movie? Yes, yes. He had that uh, every which way you can, every which way but lose. He was Bronco basically Billy. saying, telling everybody to make his day in that movie. Yeah, but it was more of it was comedy. It, yeah, but it was he was doing it with a with a smile on his. No, face. he was saying, "Go ahead, punk, make me laugh." He's there make you my go. orangutan's day. All right, <laughs> listen to this. See if you guys can tell me what uh what this it sounds like. Uh. This Dudley Moore, whose life and adventures seem to parallel that of the famous Moses, all being misled to think he's a prophet of God. What movie is that? It's called Holy Moses. It's a biblical spoof film. It came out right after Life of Brian. Oh, it, gotcha. It, did, it, had, it had Lorraine Newman, Dom DeLuise, Madden Kahn, Richard Pryor, and John Ritter in it. But it obviously was not as That's good an all-star movie. cast, and it that must is. have bombed hard, because I've, oh, yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah. Rough Cut is a heist film with Burt Reynolds and David Niven. Can't Stop the Music. It's a pseudo-biography of the village people. By then, uh, luckily, freaking um, disco was going out. What a hater! Oh, it was going out in a big way, but at this point, oh, it it like it didn't go, it didn't go out gradually. It just like it was here and then it was gone. Yeah, and then Brubaker is a prison drama filled with Robert Redford. If you remember mm-hmm. that, he went in as a prison inmate and he was going to end up being the, uh, I guess, the commandant of the prison and try to make a bunch of reforms. That was a pretty good movie too. All right, well, that was entertainment from June of nineteen eighty. Now we're going to go into our staff picks. And Bruce is going to kick it off for us. All right, folks. Here's a little, a little ditty for you. This is the third single from The Clash's London Calling. The, and that's all the, their third album as well. London Calling was a monster album. Uh, considered post-punk. You wouldn't call this really a, a punk song, I don't think. No. Nah. It's the final track on side four. London Calling is a double album. And it was not originally listed as a song at all on the album. Really? That's right. It was like a bonus track It or was something? a hidden track. Yeah. Ah. What, what would you say The Clash, what, what got them off the ground? Which song oh, really it was punk rock. Well, Yeah, they were definitely punk. Yeah, but this, I'm saying this which song, song. This song's probably the one. That, I was going to say, this song might have been their launching Well, they, they changed their, their, they added reggae to their, their feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. There's a story behind it. The at, They didn't deliberately do it as a hidden song. It was a, an an added song at the last minute and they had already started producing the sleeves when they put the, this this song in there. We're not paying to reprint them, I can tell you that. Yeah. So what they were going to do, it was originally supposed to be this giveaway. You remember when they did these flexi, they called them flexi singles. It yeah. was the, yeah, yeah. the little floppy uh, you know, kind of cheapy record. That yeah, they, would, you, they put them on back of cereal boxes. That yeah, time. stuff like that. And, you get them and, at McDonald's. So they were supposed to do that. That's what this song was going to be. And the deal fell through. So they said, well, let's put it on the album. And so uh, it wound up on there. I'm kind of surprised we haven't done a Clash album. Yes, we, we did. did. I did it. What the heck are you talking about? It was their punk album. It was that album. It had uh, White Riot. How could you forget Wayne doing this album? Yeah, really. Well, we're on number 266. <laughs> <laughs> you forget a few. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't remember what I listened to yesterday. So this song was written and sung by Mick Jones. Okay. And it's supposedly in response to a song that the Stilts did called Typical Girls. Hmm. And Typical Girls has a lyric about girls standing by their man. But Mick Jones split up with Stilts guitarist Viv Albertine just before the song was written. And the title of the song is Train in Vain. You probably heard it as Stand By Me, which is parenthetically the title. Yeah. But Train in Vain, that that never appears. And there's some question about why that is. Um, Albertine claims that Jones used to get the train to her place, and she wouldn't let him in her door after he took the train over there. Ah, so okay. Whether that's true or not, that's what she said. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to go over to Wayne. For his staff pick, what do you have for us? This song was written by Argent guitarist Russ Ballard. Oh, yeah. He's the one that did the song Voices. He he pops up in a lot of places. And it's performed by Roger Daltrey, the singer from The Who. And the song is Free Me. Oh, yeah. I hadn't heard this in a while. Yeah. It's on Daltrey's solo album, MacGyver, and... No, I'm sorry, Mick. Vicker. Yeah, MacGyver's a different yeah, guy. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. he can fix a lot of stuff though. And Roger played the lead in the in the movie. He was in prison for many bank robs, robberies, and um, he was entombed in prison. And he was going crazy while being there. And if you watch the movie, you'll understand the video. And it was his third major movie role. But I mean, this is a hidden gem. This song cranks. You know what I see when he yells that. The uh, Braveheart scene where he's on his horse and he's about to charge. Yes. I mean, so this song has some angst, rage, passion, raw power. He does a great job with this. I mean, it easily could have been on a Who song. album. Oh, sorry. Uh, Daltrey actually recruited the rest of the Who at the time. You know, Pete Townsend, John Entwistle, and Kenny Jones to play on this track, but they're uncredited. So this is actually, it is The Who. Yes. Oh, it's Yes. No, it's The Who. <laughs> who is it? <laughs> who's, on, who's on first? It's Who? Yes. We're going to do an Abbott and Costello thing here. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I could see singing this song? It's a damn shame they never did. Johnny Cash. He could sing yeah. this song, man. Oh, yeah. You're right. This sounds like he wrote it. Well, the video was very early. It's before MTV started, and it's very, very cheesy. But there's some cool parts. Roger is actually getting confused in this black and white spiral cave. It was very interesting on that, but that was it. I really, I'm liking the horns in the background. It's they're really strong. This guitar sounds awesome. This goes fits right in with it. Listen to that. I lie awake, burning inside, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Old lady time, she's no friend of to me. I feel her chains and she holds the key. Was this movie out at this time then? Yes. Okay. So, you know, this is back when they would have released this album or song and the movie at the same time. Sort of like Grease and Saturday Night Fever and... When, when Roger Daltrey's character was in prison, do you suppose he shared a cell with uh, um, with the Blues Brothers? <laughs> it's, it's possible. I can see them hanging out. 
right, one interesting thing, a lot of people go, they mistook, I, I look at comments all the time. One guy goes, it sounds like free meat. <laughs> yeah, free meat. And what I like, somebody says, eat me. <laughs> It's got kind of a weird, like, there's like a weird contrast between the way he uses the rasp in his voice and then, like, the flow of, like, the the the, the, the background music. Yeah. Like, it, so yeah. it's a little jarring when he comes in. Yes. The, the music is, the music's very produced and very yeah. smooth the way it fits together, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of raw. Yeah. I, I can it's see funny that. as Roger Daughtry on this, uh, he, he, uh, because of his reputation, he could not, if he was trying to do the movie itself, he wouldn't get the financing. But because he would do a soundtrack, they allowed him, and so he did this soundtrack. All right. Well, thanks for doing that, Wayne. This song that I'm going to cover is not from a soundtrack. When this song came out, a lot of people thought that this was a different artist. They thought this was Blondie. Well, Blondie was big this time, too. Listen to the voice here. Oh, I mean, yeah. This could definitely be uh, be her, couldn't it? The number one song at this time was Call Me by Blondie. Exactly. But this is Pat Benatar. And the song is We Live for Love. It's from her 1979 album, In the Heat of the Night. That was her first album. She's... She's an amazing musician. Yes. Uh, Wayne, you were with us from Yeah, we, we, went, to, we went to go see them in concert. That was yeah. great. That's, I, that's what I spend my money on, concerts and booze. <laughs> I covered her second album, Crimes of Passion. That was on What the Riff episode 144. If you care to go back and listen to that. That album came out in September of 1980, and it rocks. This does. You're right. This, this doesn't sound like... Pat Benatar. And the, it has that disco back. It a little bit, but but I can it does have that blondie feel, especially yeah. when she gets into the chorus. You guys are just like building this bridge for me, man. Just building this disco to rock bridge with the <laughs> Pat Benatar recording a disco sound. Well it does sound like Debbie Harry singing there, but guess who wrote the song? It was Neil Giraldo. Oh, okay. And he was her guitarist at the time. I was afraid you were going to say the Bee Gees wrote it. You're going to say Gib. You, you thought the last thing <laughs> Brothers Gib was going to pop up, didn't you? Eventually, Neil became Pat Benatar's producer, and they ended up getting married in 1982. And they're one of those stories. They stuck together for, they, for a long time. They're still together. They're still together. And when we saw them, they were, to, they were together yep. playing. This album made it to number 12 and it had some other hits you would know it had heartbreaker on it you remember that hell's mm-hmm. children too right this one did not have hell oh, that was children. the album before this okay no this is the first album it was the next album oh, okay yeah and then it had i need a lover mm-hmm. it was a cover from who is that john cougars yep really yeah so, so she did a version of i need a lover she also did a cover of another song I didn't recognize as much. It was called If You Think You Know How to Love Me. Oh. And that was by a British group in 1975 called Smokey. I'd never heard of them. 
Talk about a glam. If you see the video, it's smoky. It's pretty, it's pretty glam rock. This song made it to the top 40 in the United States. Yeah, I did not recognize this song when it was on the list, and I didn't recognize it from the first verse, but I definitely recognized the chorus. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard it in a long time. Yeah. If I heard this on the radio and didn't know it was Pat Benatar, I would have no freaking clue it was Pat Benatar singing. Yeah. Like, it's just, just such a different sound for her. Well, she's normally very rough and oh, hard-hitting. Yeah. She's going to hit you in the face with it. Yeah, but I think I think it's a good one. It, I or, love it, actually. I really like the song. Got a nice sound to it. Thanks for that one, man. All right, well, now, speaking of uh, what John Lynch thinks about things, we're going back <laughs> to him for his uh, staff pick. What do you have for us? Man, I'd look that we haven't covered any Christopher Cross music. I actually... Love Christopher Cross. I do too. This song's actually a pretty good song. I do like this. He just did not have the body for MTVs. So. <laughs> yeah. This Christopher Cross is one that really suffered, I think, because of stage presence. The, the MTV, yeah, that they were going for a, a particular look and uh, uh, a particular like dance moves and such. And uh, I, I think Christopher Cross kind of wasn't able to make that well he's got the voice for it man he's got the chops yes he does he's got the songwriting skills to produce hits and that is undoubtable because Mm -hmm. this song is right like the wind it's it's the funny part about this song is he he wrote this song high on acid really riding in a car just he was okay, so he he was a big fan of when he was a kid. He's a big fan of, of of westerns, like the big you know the showdown at the OK Corral and those kinds of things. And his trip on acid was like, you need to write a western song. And he produced this song, and it didn't sound like this to begin with. But as he and the producer worked it out. They called in Michael McDonald to come in and see sing the callback for this. Absolutely. And he's from the Doobie Brothers. From the Doobie Brothers. The second half of the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you get this weird country western like uh, country song that is literally just uh, a manufactured from the acid tripping brain of Christopher Cross. I didn't know he was a drug user. Yeah, at the time, apparently doing doing LSD and acid and stuff wow. was like very common uh, for for musicians. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I there I've, I I read an interview with him and he says I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's literally just me sitting in a car with a notebook, writing, tripping on acid as I think about how awesome old Western movies were. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have. I'm trying to think of how you would play this so it sounded more country and western maybe well see that's what he was going for he was going for that whole like um showdown kind of feel yeah. so he was you mentioned that that was another scene of the blues brothers because you know they're at that bar and they go to the waitress and goes well what type of music do you play here she goes both kinds country and western <laughs> right, right. <laughs> country and western <laughs> so good 
I mean, Michael McDonald, he just pops up it, it, when, so many And when times. you hear his voice, it's like instant. You know that's Michael yeah. McDonald. Right, the Michael McDonald connection came from Cross's producer, Michael Martian. They knew each other from working the Steely, with Steely Dan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So McDonald offered to do some background vocals, so they put him to work on the song I Really Don't Know Anymore. Okay. A few weeks later, Cross and a Martian were working on Ride Like the Wind. They realized they needed a voice to answer the calls that he was making in the song. They needed a different voice to come in. Yep. And so he goes, yo, I know Michael McDonald. He calls him on the phone. Michael comes in, and they record him doing that. It was just like on a whim. It says up here it's adult contemporary, but I don't fit it in that category. What do you guys fit it in? I, I would I would put it adult contemporary. I think modern age con- adult contemporary is where it probably goes. Well, it fits but in with to me yacht rock. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. that's yep. the whole outside. Do they even have a yacht chilling. rock on there? Though? I don't know. I don't know. But that's <laughs> that's to me, and you're chilling out and everything. Well, I didn't I didn't bring Think of Laura. And I didn't bring Sailing, which were his other two real big songs. So you're welcome. Thanks. I appreciate that. I enjoyed it, Lynch. And uh, I'm not sure uh, who put this one on here. but I put have? it on there because it was a top hit <laughs> in June of 1980. <laughs> and if you know of the Vapors, this is sort of like that new wave slash punk called Turning Japanese. I was just shocked that this did not end up somebody's staff pick. Yeah. But it is a comedy because what's the reason why they're talking about being Turning Japanese? It's all about traveling to the island in the Far East. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think another thing is talking about having hairy palms. Yeah, don't do. don't ruin it, man. <laughs> you had to go there, don't Wayne. Don't go there. You don't ruin the song for me, man. You've been watching too much Letter Kenny, Wayne. <laughs> Speaking of which, TV in June of 1980s. David Letterman's show debuts on daytime TV. Believe it or not, I, I rescheduled it. my college classes because I wanted to watch that. It was so funny. It was like 10 o'clock or in yeah. the morning. And, uh, and they came on at 10. Yeah. I was on double sessions in high school as a ninth grader, and so I could watch the David Letterman show and then go to school. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Johnny Carson, then David Letterman, right? In, in like the, yeah. the, the talk shows. Oh, yeah. That, in that order. Actor Milburn Stone dies. He was Doc on Gunsmoke. If you, oh, oh okay. yeah. yeah. I liked him. And the game show High Roller Ends. And I actually went, uh, we had a teacher that uh, worked during the summer at Universal. And we actually went to those shows. She would, she would have field trips of us going there. And I'm kind of, I, I should have thought, going, hey, this would be a great, good career to have. But I didn't do that. Well, in music, uh, June of 1980, Deborah Harry, like we talked about earlier, and Meatloaf had the film Roadie premiered. Rock and Roll Pioneer, Bill Haley performs his last concert. Top hits of June of 1980, Funky Town, Lips Incorporated. Coming up, Paul McCartney and the Wings. The biggest part of me, Ambrosia. No sex, no drugs, no wine, no women, no fun, no Another movie that came out, and this is a hit off of it, The Rose by Bette Midler. Oh, my God, my wife loves that song yeah. so much. And and the movie was sort of a, a take on um, a Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin, yeah. Against the Wind, Bob Singer and Silver Bullet Band. 
of albums that came out. I'm just going to go down the list of uh, names. Of Cheap Trick, except Cold Chisel, you know, our friend from yeah, Australia. Really? <laughs> the Kinks, Bob Marley and the Whalers, The Rolling Stones, Sammy Hagar, Jackson Brown, Hugh Lewis, Samson, Queen, Crocus, The Angels, Commodores, Steve Hackett from Genesis, yeah. David Allen Cole, Blackfoot, Ted Nugent, and Jeff Beck all have albums out in June of 1980. Wow, good music. That, that is a lot of music. So, you know, if you want to delve into that, you'll have some fun. So hopefully you guys aren't turning Japanese out there right now. but uh, Or maybe if you're already Japanese, then you're fine. <laughs> maybe you'll think so. <laughs> well, you've been listening to What the Riff of June of 1980. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you guys next time. I think you're turning Japanese, Wayne. Oh, I already had squinty eyes. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?